welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk. We are wrapping up series three. This is the final episode of series three. If you are new to Mum Talk, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do not worry, we have 54 episodes across the previous three series of the podcast for you to listen to, full of all sorts of goodness. So do go back through the podcast and have a listen, whether you are just finding out you're pregnant been pregnant for a little while, your baby's now earthside, maybe your friends and family, do go and have a listen through the podcast. There are 54 episodes for you to listen to. Considering we have been running just over a year, that means I have only taken off about three or four weeks from the podcast. I love it that much. I love sharing this information with you so much. So this week, for the wrap-up, we are going to have a bit of a Q&A session. I'm going to update you guys where Amandine and I and Hendrik are at the moment and of course tackle your questions on Instagram. Now if your question isn't answered on this week's podcast it means I don't know the answer and I don't want to give you a roundabout answer. I want to try and find out a real answer for you. So I'm going to put it out to the Instagram community that we are building at the moment and see if anyone can help. If not, I will try and find a specialist and answer that question, most likely either in the next series, series four, yes it is coming, don't you worry, or on my Instagram page because I know that some of you will be quite eager for those answers. Let's get started. I am trying to record this whilst Amandine is napping, so I may well have to press pause, but I will um, pick it up again when I have a moment but you guys won't know the difference because I can edit it. (laughs) Okay, let's get started. So Amandine is being brilliant at the moment. She's going through a leap. It's not really evident that she's going too much of a leap. If you have the Wonder Weeks app, she's going through that grey bit at the moment where it says that they just won't necessarily be themselves. She wakes up a little bit teary sometimes. I actually tried to give her breakfast this morning. She was not having any of it. I made her porridge with almond butter and banana and no 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 she just wasn't having any of it and actually in the back of my mind I was thinking is she grouchy because she has an allergic reaction to almond butter but then I gave it to her before on toast and she didn't have any reaction to it but I guess it's that nervousness around nuts as a new mum and knowing whether their bodies are going to cope with them or not it's just quite nerve-wracking I actually mentioned to my cousin yesterday oh I really want to try peanut butter and she was like oh really are you sure so maybe I'll just take weaning a little bit further before I try peanut butter (laughs) there are quite a few questions in the podcast about weaning so I will come back to those um later on when we do the Q&A section of the podcast don't you worry so Amandine, this is the big, big bit. Amandine has been sleeping in her own room since since we got back from holiday. So since you heard from me last. And she has been an absolute dream. I haven't once had to go in and get her when it hasn't been her feed time. I really do put this down to uh, me putting her in her cot for all of her naps from a very early age. And also when she went into her cot, she didn't go into her cot in her sleepy head. She went straight into her cot. So she's been very used to the extra space that she's always had in her cot. Now, there's pros and cons to all of this. Because she sleeps so well and naps so well in her cot, it means she doesn't sleep or nap so well anywhere else. So when I really committed to getting her napping really, really well... 
within her awake time kind of awake time windows and when she's meant to go to sleep which I've chatted about um on the podcast here before she goes down so so well but if we are in the pram she will not go down if we are in the car it's a bit of a struggle it's getting better come to say it it is getting better if we have the white noise machine if she's in her pajamas and if it's nap time and I haven't gone over nap time she is, she's overtired then we still manage to get a little bit of a nap obviously won't be like the full hour or the full two hours at lunchtime but she does have a little bit of a cat nap if I time it exactly right. (laughs) If we're in the pram, however, that has not yet happened. There was a brief time when she took a little snooze and I thought, oh, amazing, she's going to sleep. But within, I don't know, two minutes, she'd woken up again. So it really didn't last for very long. She goes down to bed at the moment between half past six and seven o'clock. Since the clocks have changed, I've managed to stick around the same time. We were going to bed around quarter to six, six o'clock at one point, but... That meant she was waking up very, very early. She's now waking up between about six o'clock and seven o'clock. We actually stayed at my mum's the other night and she slept until seven. My mum's house is very, very dark because the room that I slept in is kind of half underground. Um, So it's very dark, which is great, but she did sleep till seven. So in her nursery, it's very light in the morning. So I'm going to try and find a blackout blind that really works because there aren't actually many out there that actually really block out any form of light. We have blackout blinds, but they most certainly let in all the light round the corners and round the cracks. Oh, it's a bit of a nightmare. But I wonder whether it was because it was completely pitch black in her room. She sleeps in a little bit of light in the day with the light coming in through the cracks in her nursery and that doesn't seem to affect her naps but from when she wakes up at 6.30 I wonder whether it is the light. So she'll wake up for her dream feed at around 10.30. It has become less of a dream feed because she's taking the bottle. When she takes the bottle for her dream feed it really does wake her up completely. I then have been putting her on the boob a little bit because I'm completely unsure as to how much milk she takes during her dream feed. So I've been giving her about anything between 90 to 120 mil. Last night she took 120 mil from the bottle for the very first time. Normally she'll take about 90 to 100 mil from the bottle and then I'll top her up with my boob so I'll feel one let down from my boob and she'll take that and then she'll go to bed so she is taking that little bit more last night however I don't think she took any extra from my boob so I'm get I'm trying to get to the point where when Hendrik gives her the dream feed she doesn't then need the boob so I'm really trying to find out exactly how much she takes for her dream feed in the evening now whether she takes 90 or 100 mil from the bottle or 120 mil from the bottle it definitely doesn't make her sleep anymore now I thought when she took the bottle she would start to sleep more and there'd be less need for the three well it could be anything from 1.30 to 3.30 feed in the middle of the night but no but no she seems to still want that feed now I don't know if that's habit or if she actually really needs that feed. Now, the advice you guys gave me and my Instagram followers gave me last time I asked this question was, if you're trying to drop the middle of the night feed, now, I'm obviously in no way an expert. This is just the advice that's been shared with me. 
try and feed for five minutes and then the following night four minutes, following night three minutes, following night two minutes. Now that hasn't quite worked. She's been in her room for over a week now, still very much doing that 2.30, 3.30, 1.30, whatever it is, feed. And she guzzles. She absolutely guzzles for the first five minutes. Now, I just can't take her off when she's guzzling that much because she really, really wants the milk. So I don't know. Is that showing signs that she's not ready to drop that feed yet? I just don't know. She is tiny. She's um, under the 50 percentile. She's around the 25 percentile. If you're pregnant and wondering what all of these are, yes, it's actually quite confusing and um, you'll you'll come to find out what it means soon enough. Um, so she is small, so I don't want to deprive her of any food. And weaning is going okay, but she's certainly not swallowing anything. So it's not like she's taking on anything extra through weaning right now. So I've taken the decision at the moment to let to continue with that dream feed, and not dream feed, sorry, middle of the night feed. And just see if she starts to drop it by herself. If we get kind of a month down the road and she's still not starting to drop it, I will potentially start to sleep train her out of it. I'm not too sure yet. Not too sure yet. I will let you know in the next series how it goes. Then she will wake up anytime between half past five and what appears now to be seven o'clock after staying at my mum's. However, this morning she woke up at ten to six. I left her. She then woke up at half past six. I am very tired at the moment. We've had a very full-on few days. So I actually brought Amandine into bed with me and did the whole lying down feeding, which I haven't done in ages. But I went back to sleep for all of about 10 minutes and I think she may have just taken a teeny, teeny cat nap while she was feeding. And um, then we woke up at half past seven and got out of bed and I tried to give her breakfast. So that's kind of where we're at. Each night is the same. She very rarely, she might wake up and do a few gurgles at, I don't know, midnight or one o'clock or, but I think if I didn't have the baby monitor on in my bedroom, she would, I wouldn't hear her and it's not her asking for milk. She's just having a little gurgle and a little roll around in her bed and trying to get comfy again. She does self-soothe really well at the moment. She's refound interest in her thumb, which is just an absolute blessing. If you are if your baby's just found the thumb and you're panicking, I had a definite momentary panic. We don't have a dummy for Amandine, never have. And when she found her thumb, I was thinking, oh God, oh no. But my goodness, it's a dream. If she's tired, it's a really obvious cue that she's tired if I miss out on her other cues. And also, she self-soothes. If she lets go of her thumb, she can easily put it back in her mouth. So she goes straight back to sleep the minute the thumb's in there. shes I've just watched her do it whilst doing this podcast a good three or four times. She's rolled over and then she's put her thumb back in her mouth and off to sleep she goes. So it is brilliant. I would, I'm would i pro-thumb if you're wondering if you should keep the thumb or not. I mean, you can't really do anything about it. They will have the thumb if they really want it. Okay, so... She's been doing super well in her own room. Hendrik and I still aren't sharing the same room because Hendrik's sleep is so important to him and I still have to go up and do that 3am feed. So I'm in my own room. And actually, I'm slightly concerned about sharing a bed with somebody else again because I have had my own bed for a really long time, like over a year now. So (laughs) I'm not sure I want to be pushed into my pre-baby two inch of the corner of the bed again I quite like to be spread out and not have to worry about sleeping (laughs) and hitting anyone else in bed 
So who knows? We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll work my way into back into the bedroom. Hendrik is really, really pushing for that, which is lovely. Um, and he's mentioned so many times about let's try and mix a bit of formula into the bottle for the nighttime feed, see if she'll sleep through. I am starting to become a little bit more open to that. I have absolutely zero against formula, no issue with formula whatsoever. I just don't think she needs it right now. And I'm blessed with great milk. So I don't, I don't feel the need to do it. Um, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. If anyone wants to DM me on Instagram or email me, um, if you think that formula mixed with my milk in the dream feed might, might help her sleep. I feel like it won't now she's starting to wean. That will possibly have the same effect, but who knows? So we are weaning Amandine at the moment, full force. I'm trying to give her something to eat two, one to two times a day, but we have missed it a couple of days recently because we have been very busy. I know you should prioritize it, but we just didn't have the space to prioritize um, feeding her. So I have been making homemade sweet potato puree, parsnip puree, carrot puree, and also doing that alongside baby led weaning. So giving her a bit of broccoli or some toast fingers or what else have I given her? Cucumber sticks, carrots that have been steamed, um, apple that's been, you know, softened, banana, avocado. She's not a big fan of avocado, I don't think. Although I haven't given it to her in a while, actually. But aside from all of those, her favourite thing, which my friend Becca told me, hey Becca, if you're listening, I know you listen, um, is Ella's, Ella's Kitchen, I think they're called, Melty Sticks. They are basically an organic ensemble of maize, corn, uh, and a bunch of other things. All organic, there's a vitamin in there as well, and I think B1 or something. She loves them. It's like a giant what's it, basically, and she absolutely loves them. I think because she's teething at the moment and when she crunches down, it's really crunchy, but it is the only thing that I will give her that disappears. And I mean disappears with, within about one or two minutes. It's gone. Everything else, she spits right out again. This is the only thing I can virtually give her and she won't make any mess at all. This morning, porridge was a nightmare. Um, the girls were around actually last week and I tried to give her porridge. Nightmare. Uh, carrot comes straight out again, apple comes straight out again. I think she swallowed a bit of sweet potato the other day because we did have a slightly different colour poo, but I don't actually know whether that was sweet potato or whether that was the Ella's Kitchen Melty Sticks. Now, originally, when I was thinking about weaning, I was like, I am not going to put in anything into my child's mouth that I haven't made myself. But then when Becca mentioned these Melty Sticks... I was thinking, okay, you know, if everything's organic, yes, it's processed, but actually I it's, it's organic and, I mean, I actually am not too clear on my thought process around this, but I just, it took me a while to think, no, you know what, I'm going to buy them, this is not the end of the world. But it's all to do with Amandine learning, isn't it? Learning hand-to-mouth coordination, getting the food into her mouth, enjoying the food, understanding how to swallow, understanding how to chew. And if a melty stick can help her do that, then I am pro a melty stick. Because then when I come to give her a puree or when I come to give her a carrot stick, she will know now what to do with it. So I thought there are a lot worse things 
that I could be giving Amandine. And actually, she is putting a lot worse things into her mouth. She puts everything into her mouth, apart from the spoon with my purees on it. Not ideal. (laughs) But I'm hoping it'll come. It'll come. We're only kind of one and a half, two weeks in. And I think I just haven't found something she loves yet, apart from the melty sticks. So if anyone has any recommendations on something that she's really, really going to love, please, please DM me, tell me about them, let me know. I would love, love, love to hear. So another big thing that happened this week, or last week, Hendrik spent five hours with Amandine all on his own. So devastatingly, we actually had a death in the family. A very close family member of mine passed away to cancer. And his funeral was last week. And we had a crematorium service and then went on to a church service and then a wake after. Now, Amandine is incredibly cheery at the moment and it just was not the place for her to be. Hendrik, of course, wanted to be there, but actually we took the view that um, this family member was on my side of the family and this would be a good time for Hendrik actually to spend some time with Amandine and to just keep her away so everyone can grieve in their own space and not have a cheery baby, which, yes, some people may have liked, but a lot of people would have found it not appropriate. And I I didn't either. I didn't have the space. If she had been there, I would have been worrying, I think, so much about how she was behaving and nervous about if she was going to let out a scream or a giggle at the wrong moment. And I really wanted my focus to be on paying my respects and grieving, going through the grieving process. So Hendrik dropped me with my sister at the crematorium and then drove down to my mum's house, uh, which was close by to where the church service and the wake was being held. And he had his first car journey. So had his car journey, which was over an hour by himself with Amandine. Risky, (laughs) very risky. And then he managed to put her down in my mum's house, which he's never done before. And she's only been there, you know, a handful of times for her two-hour nap, and she slept like a dream in her cot at my mum's. Then he managed to feed her with a bottle that I had pre-expressed for him, all prepared. I'd actually packed him away, because we weren't quite sure how this was all going to work out. I'd packed him away with a thermos of hot water and a bowl so he could pour the water, heat the milk, because she likes it really very warm. She really likes it body temperature or a little bit above. And she, yeah, so he fed her, got her dressed, brought her to the wake. So yeah, and it was actually, it was good for me. It wasn't just good for Hendrik. I mean, it was brilliant for Hendrik. I think Hendrik really found a, um, found a lot of joy in being solely responsible for Amandine, which has never happened before, mainly because I'm a bit of a control freak and I haven't let it happen, as my sister keeps reminding me. All the way down um, after the crematorium to my mum's, I was saying, oh, shall I just call Hendrik, see how he's getting on? Need to check in with him. And she was like, no, don't you dare. Do not call. He will let you know if there's a problem. Do not call him. And then in the end, I managed to find an excuse that I hadn't actually told him the location of the wake or the time of the wake that he should be there. And yeah, that was my excuse to call him. Anyway, everything was fine. But it was good for me because I have never... 
left her for any period of time, apart from the Lululemon retreat where I left her for maximum of kind of an hour and a half at any one time with my sister. So this was big. It was a big deal. And it took me a little while to actually think, you know what? This is fine. This is fine. I think my main worry, as I'm sure most of you feel, is the car journey or was the car journey. Because, you know, it's my husband and my baby in a car together. If anything happened, oh, it's just not worth thinking about, is it? But that was my train of thought. So now we know that we can do it and I can go. It opens up a whole new world, a whole new world, which is very exciting, very exciting. But then obviously I can't really see many opportunities where I would need to leave her for that length of time. But it does mean that if Hendrik has some time off, I can maybe start to go back to my clients, my um, private clients, which would be lovely. And I can perhaps put on a few yoga brunches, which tend to last between four and five hours. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I can start to get a little bit of pre-baby life back into my current life. Not that I can ever imagine life without Amandine because I can't. She is the best thing to have happened to me. I mean, aside from Hendrik, of course. But yes, that is where we are at right now, this week. We have also been swimming. Swimming She's loving. She's absolutely loving. In fact, for the first time yesterday, she attempted to launch herself into the water to me, which I thought was the cutest thing ever. She was sitting on the side of the pool and I said to her, Amandine, steady, go. And she leant forward and then tried to shuffle her bum off the side of the wall to get into the water. It was incredibly cute, incredibly cute. And she's also started to do this thing, which happened in the bath actually last night, where when she's had enough of something or enough of being cuddled by someone else, it's not me, she'll launch her arms out towards me. And it's as if she's saying, okay, I've had enough. Can I come back to you now? And she did that in the bath and it was so incredibly cute. She'd had, she was so tired last night. We skipped the book. And she, yeah, just reached out her arms to me and was like, mommy, it was adorable. And she's now really started to snuggle her little head into the little crook of my neck. And oh, it's just the most divine, divine, divine moments. Absolutely divine moments. Okay, so that's where we're at. And I'm sure a lot more of what's been happening um, over the last couple of weeks will come out in these questions, but I'm going to start to answer the questions so this podcast isn't an absolute, you know, a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy one. So let's start with the question. My question, how's it going with Amandine in her own room? So I think I've covered that already. I seriously can't imagine ever not having my four and a half month old by my side at night and I'm terrified she'll grow out of her bedside crib before I'm ready to move her and also that she'll go from being an amazing sleeper to a rubbish one when she can't sense me there. I don't want to move her ever. Oh my goodness, I so feel you. I really do. I was exactly the same and it is hard. I do miss Amandine. I really do. I do. But she sleeps better, she does, and I do sleep better, and I don't, she definitely hasn't become a rubbish sleeper, but I have napped her in her cot the whole, pretty much the whole of her life. So she's very, very used to her nursery, she's very used to her cot, and it's been a very, very easy transition for me, which I know it isn't for a lot of people, so 
I'm not sure whether my, what's been happening with, you know, Amandine and me is particularly realistic. I don't actually know. Um, I have been very, very lucky. She is small, so she wasn't growing out of her crib. We, her bedside crib, we, um, we didn't put her in her own room until she was just almost seven months. So we went over the six month thing. She didn't grow out of her her um, bedside crib. I do know some, normally boys, who have grown out of their uh, next to me cribs or whatever. And at around like five months, <laughs> five months. But then you can just bring the cot. So it, may, it might be that one transition is if you haven't been napping them in their cot, is switch out your next to me or bedside crib, bring your cot into your bedroom if you have space, put it maybe at the end of the bed, and then you can gradually move it away from the bed, and then she'll be used to her cot at least, or he'll be used to her his cot at least, before you move it into your nursery or into another room. So maybe that's something to try. And also perhaps put the cot sheet on the next to me crib sheet. Perhaps put it underneath so there's no um, risk of the sheet getting loose. And just so the smells can start to transfer, your smell can start to transfer. I also think because she can, or because she could smell me, she could always smell my milk, which meant maybe she always wanted milk when she woke up. Whereas now she wakes up, she can't smell milk. So actually she'll go back to sleep a lot easier than she was before. I think that may well definitely have something to do with it. But I would just go for it. In fact, it was one of my sister's friends, Amy, hey Amy, who messaged me saying she just did it. She just did it and it really inspired me. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm stop going to make, stop going to, I'm stop going to, that's not good English, is it? I am not going to make any more excuses. Let me try that way around. <laughs> I am not going to make any excuses and I am just going to do it. And I did and I haven't turned back and it's been fantastic. Do it, do it, do it, do it. But don't feel pressured to do it before six months. You don't have to. Do it when you feel you're ready. Some people do it way before six months at like, you know, four and a half, five months. Some people do it seven or eight months. Some people never do it because they haven't got another bedroom. Don't stress about it. It's not... You know, I know the NHS are saying the first six months, that's great. But they also say up to a year. It's not, you know, you don't have to have put a time on it. It's when you're ready and when you feel he or she, your baby is ready. Okay, I'm going to move on. Would love to hear about your cloth nappy journey. Okay, so we are still babies in this cloth nappy journey. I only have eight so I, and I actually only have one brand. I only have Bambino Mio. They were very kindly gifted to me. We do use them, but obviously because I only have eight, it's not an everyday thing. I am hoping that it will become more of an everyday thing. And definitely when her poos become a little bit more solid, I think that's when I will really, really embrace my cloth nappy journey more. Just because her poos are incredibly runny, and one when I did have a poo, when we did have a poo in one of the cloth nappies, it did seep out, but actually that wasn't the cloth nappy. I thought it was at the time, but it wasn't. It, they are so runny right now that it does just seep out. If she goes in the car seat, she will definitely go through an outfit change, for sure. 
So I think now, because they're becoming a lot more consistent and thicker, and definitely now we're getting some solids, um, and, you know, these melty sticks definitely make the poo a little bit thicker, it seems, I'm guessing from the corn and, like, the flour and stuff, uh, they are becoming a little bit more solid. So we we do use them, We, but it's on a cycle on the wash. So we'll use eight and then we'll probably not use them for a good couple of days whilst they dry and because it's been winter it's been really quite hard to dry them and get them dry quickly so you can then reuse them again but I don't find it difficult I have to say it doesn't add any any extra work I don't feel it really doesn't I mean if you have a nappy bin you literally just put them in the nappy bin maybe run them under the um Put them under the flush of the loo works quite well if they have anything on them that you'd like poo that you need to get off. Then put them in the nappy bin, close the nappy lid, uh, bin lid, and then you kind of forget about them until the bin is full um, or you've used all your nappies or, you know, you have enough in there to do a wash. Shove them all in the washing machine. I don't do a pre-rinse or anything. I just shove them all in the washing machine. I have some Bambino Mio Fresh, which I push it put in with them, and that's it then I just take them out hang them up in uh, so at late kind of October November when we used a couple at that time we were able to put them out in the sunshine and it bleached them I'm starting to do that again now now the sun's a little bit stronger I didn't find such great effects with the bleaching of the sun um over the winter I don't know whether that's just because there really wasn't much sun <laughs> or whether that's because the sun wasn't strong enough I don't know but it is easiest to dry them outside for sure. We have not the biggest house in the world, so actually having them hanging up inside isn't the best um, for kind of damp and moisture in the air. And we do have a dehumidifier, but it's um, it's not that brilliant. So that's my nappy journey at the moment. I use cloth wipes, which are brilliant. I would highly recommend if you are not yet on the nappy journey, try to start to transfer over to the cloth wipes. I have a pack of wet wipes for emergencies and sometimes when we're out traveling um, I, and we're going for long, long periods of time or we've got a whole um, airport journey to get through. For us to get from here to France takes around 10 hours and I do take with me a pack of wet wipes for emergencies but we go through them incredibly slowly. So try and... Cheeky Wipes are a great brand um, or you can literally just use flannels it's the same thing or get a towel and cut it up or get an old rag and cut it up as long as it's nice and soft and something that is towel material will definitely help to you know wipe poo away or you can use them for hands I have a stack of cheeky wipes downstairs that I use for hands and face as well for when we're weaning so I'm not chucking away loads of kitchen towel or wet wipes and things um so there's things you can do rather than making one big step. There's lots of little things that you can do um, along this uh, journey. So don't feel like, and you know, you don't have to go right out and buy hundreds of cloth nappies. Definitely, definitely start by buying a couple from maybe each brand. Or if you, the size of the baby, I think, does make a difference. Amandine was tiny, too tiny for the Bambino Mios for quite a long time. Um, there are some smaller ones out there, I do believe. I'm not entirely sure of the brands, uh, but I can try and find out. If you follow Mamalina, 
uh, on Instagram. She came on the podcast in series one, I think it was. She's brilliant with all nappy, cloth nappy journey. She really is absolutely fantastic. She's done a huge Q&A just yesterday, I think, on cloth nappies, I saw. So definitely go and check her out and find um, some more information. She's definitely my go-to for cloth nappy journey. Okay, weaning. I am doing spoon-led but failing any tips. Oh my gosh, me too. Me too. I have no tips for you. I really don't. Um, I really don't have any tips. I guess depends on how long you've been doing it. I mean, I am just going to persevere, 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 like I've persevered with the bottle and only now is she taking it and that's persevering every single day, at least twice a day, just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and it's only now that she's starting to take it without any issue whatsoever. So persevere. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to persevere. If I find any tips, check out my Instagram. They will 100% be on there. Um, But no, no massive tips for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) When did A start to self-settle? Most of our naps are on the move. She self-settled from a fairly early age. I can't exactly remember, but her thumb, the minute she found her thumb, she was self-settling like a pro. She's literally just done it now. This very second, I was seeing her move around. She's now rolled back onto her side. Her thumb is back in her mouth and she has self-settled herself, hopefully back to sleep so I can finish this podcast, but maybe not. So it was when she found the thumb. If you are on the move loads, try maybe a teether. Maybe playing with a teether will help them to soothe. Um, Obviously a dummy if you use dummies or a pacifier. Uh, But yeah, the minute she found her thumb, she was self-settling. Does having Reese-D negative blood mean you're more likely to have a C-section for a second baby? This question I definitely don't know the answer to. I will put that out on Instagram and find out for you. Hopefully find out for you. How's the Ikea high chair? I'm stuck on whether to invest in a trip trap or buy an Ikea one. Oh my goodness. Okay, for the whole time we were in France and Portugal, I was going between Ikea, trip trap, Ikea, trip trap, Ikea, trip trap. Trip trap is a, if you are new to the whole high chair industry, trip trap is made by Stoke, Stoke baby. It's a brilliant high chair. It means they can get up into the high chair themselves. It lasts basically their entire life. An adult can sit on it, but... Once you have bought the chair, bought the actual bit that they need to sit into it, no cushion. I think I was pricing it out at £178. If you want the newborn insert and all that kind of stuff, you're looking at well over £200. Now, I know it's an investment. I was incredibly close to doing it. I really, really was. Um, And actually, if you listened back to not last week, but the weeks before podcast, you'll know that we got um, some money back from... I got some money back from Flybee from my nightmare of a flight. And I was literally thinking, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to, and I'm going to treat Amandine. I'm going to spend some of that money on the trip trap high chair. But I just couldn't do it. Every time I went to complete the order, you know what it's like when you buy a bunch of clothes and you put everything in your basket and then you just can't complete the order. It was like that. I did my colorway, chose my seat cushion thing, all of that. And I literally was about to press purchase. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't spend that amount of money. So I went to Ikea and I was actually headed, when we were in Portugal, they had the really cheap Ikea one with the plastic thing and the aluminium legs. And I was headed for that one because they didn't have any other one in store. 
Now, I know they have a plastic, very similar style to the Trip Trap, one that they can climb up into. I mean, I'm not sure you'd want them to because it looks fairly unstable when it's plastic, but it basically turns into a normal chair as well as being a high chair. But they didn't have that in stock. And also when I went to Ikea, I was thinking, oh, I, I really am trying not to buy plastic. I know high chairs last for a very long time, but I'm trying as hard as I can to not buy plastic. So I got the one that was wooden. It's like a wooden brown one. And then I actually bought the inflatable chair insert, which is meant for the really cheap one that's plastic with aluminium legs. Um, I actually bought that for the wooden black one and it fits perfectly and it's brilliant. And you know what? That high chair is just what we need. It's fine. I think it cost me £45 plus the insert. I think that was £4 or £6. It was fine, great, brilliant. And you know what? If it only lasts for this one child, that's fine. I don't think it will. I think it'll last for many. It's pretty good. You know, it's wooden. The plastic tray snaps off really easily. No problems. You can, I think, put it in the dishwasher, but it's quite big, so I don't think I actually can. But it's wipeable. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And you know what I have in addition to the high chair? I have, I will take a photo of it. I can't remember for the life of me what it's called. No, tidy, tidy bib? Ti I can't remember. But my friend Rebecca put me onto it and it's basically this tray that pops out of a bag, goes over the high chair but extends like a good few inches out the side and then the bib that goes over and then Velcros onto the tray so you have none of this issue with food falling in between the tray and um, Amandine. So, you know, it gets all mushy and then on the floor. It's absolutely brilliant. I just rinse it off. It's got tons of stains already over it because I'm not washing it after every session, but it's brilliant. I would highly recommend it. I'll put it on my podcast tomorrow. So when you're listening, uh, not podcast, Instagram. So when you're listening to this, you can just pop over onto my Instagram and have a look and see which one it is. I'll try and remember. But yeah, the Ikea one was brilliant. I, I now wouldn't buy a trip trap. I don't think. You never know, you might see one in the house at, at some point, but right now we don't need one, and this one is absolutely fine. The only annoying thing is we eat all of our meals pretty much at our breakfast bar, so it was we were ideally looking for one that adjusted to breakfast bar height and then um, down to table height, but actually it's fine. It's fine, it's not an issue. We're not really looking down on her that much, and uh, we can feed her and our seats are adjustable so we can come down to her level. It's fine not an issue. Baby carriers, what are your tried and tips and tricks? I know I need to do a video for you, don't I, which I've forgotten about, which I will do. <laughs> I will do. I'm going to write it down right now. Ergo baby YouTube video. Okay. Tips and tricks. My biggest tip is relax when you put it on. Relax. So many times I would put it on, I'd put Amandine in, I'd throw the strap over my shoulder because I, I crossed the straps at the back. Definitely, definitely cross the straps at the back. If you are finding your ergo baby uncomfortable, cross the straps. When I did that, it was a game changer. I found it so uncomfortable the other way around. I literally felt like the straps were going to slip off my shoulders. Cross the straps. It's revolutional. Just do that and I bet you it'll be a lot more comfortable. But relax, fling it over your shoulder. And then so many times I was like leaning back, trying to grab the strap, couldn't find it, trying to dislocate my shoulder whilst trying to find this damn strap. If you throw it over your back, so if you've thrown your right one over your shoulder, just reach around with your left arm 
to your lower back and you should find your strap. Don't arch your back, don't lean back, don't lean forward, just have a feel for it. Don't extend your left arm back, just have a feel for it and it will normally be there. Just, yeah, relax, relax, relax. Same on the other side, relax. And actually, it's easier for me if people don't offer to help because then you kind of get them passing it to you around the front and you can't find the clip to put it in and it gets a little stressful. Well, I find it stressful. So just relax. That's my biggest tip. Put it on first. So put the buckle on, buckle the lower bit on first. If you have an ergo baby, I can't vouch for any others. If you have an ergo baby, buckle it. Make sure the back padded section is in the middle of your back. So the buckle should be kind of towards your side, I think. And that wants to be at the middle of your back. So there's two sections of adjustable strapping on the left and the right side. So make sure it's at the middle at the back. Then put the baby in. Make sure you've done the buttons, so whether they're facing in or out. Put the baby in and then throw one strap over your shoulder, throw the other strap over your shoulder. I promise you I will do a video. I will even try and do it today for you. I'm just going to pause here, go and get my little munchkin, who I can hear screaming in her bedroom. Not like nasty screaming, she's just chilling out in her cot. That's the other thing I do, actually, briefly, before I go and get her. I leave her, once she's woken up, I leave her there for a good two to three minutes, just to, you know, learn that mummy's not going to come straight away. She's going to come, but she's not coming straight away just to play a little bit. My sister apparently was really good. If my mum put a book in her cot or something for her to read, she would literally go to the book and start to play with it. I would really like Amandine to be the same. Okay, I'm going to press pause. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back and I have Amandine here sitting in between my legs and she's fascinated by all the bright colours on my laptop screen and the microphone <laughs> and all sorts. So I'm going to try and answer the rest of the questions for you as fast as I can, but as effectively as I can. So, oh Bex, you're so cute. She said, when do I get to see your face again? Very soon, very, very soon, I promise. What's your teething routine with the Ashton Parsons granules and homeopathic remedies? Okay, so we actually don't follow a routine, but we pretty much give the granules, the Ashton and Parsons granules, every morning every lunchtime and definitely every evening so she probably gets it about three times a day she gets a whole packet um of no you can't you can't tap my laptop you're going to end the recording she gets a whole sachet of granules now she's over six months that made a huge huge difference when we started to give her a full dose the half dose which you're meant to do when they're only before six months was not cutting it at all so we do that and then I top her up with a uh, homeopathic uh, ABC remedy when I feel she needs a little bit more. So we don't do one or the other. I just try and do a little bit of both but only really the homeopathic ABC when um, she needs it on top of the granules. We have found the granules really effective, really, really effective. In fact, I saw my nephew the other day who has kids. It's an uh, odd family. We're an odd family. <laughs> um, don't ask. But he said when I when he saw me giving, because it does, it looks like cocaine. It looks like you're giving your child cocaine. And apparently it's called baby cocaine in London. In London town, if you're listening and you're and you call it baby cocaine. Anyway, it does look very sus when you're giving it to them. I have had some very weird looks from people. Um, but that's what we do. Just wanted to say this season's podcast has been indispensable for me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. How are you finding cloth nappies? Would love an insight from a normal mum. So I think I've covered this off. Um, yeah, I have. 
Did you do any sleep training with A? Loving the podcast. Okay, so back when she was about four months, three to four months, and we had started to put her down in the evenings. Um, well, not started, but she went down in the evenings before we went to bed. Um, are you having a chat to everybody? We would leave her in her cot to grizzle. Now, she... And we'd time it. So we would do, we started by doing eight minutes and we would put our kitchen timer on for eight minutes and leave her to cry. If she didn't stop crying, we'd go up. If she did, brilliant. Now, for the first three nights, she would cry for probably seven minutes. So we never got to the full, but then she went straight to sleep afterwards. So we did three nights of that and then pretty much she didn't ever need to do that again so that's as far as our sleep training has ever gone with her is literally just those three days around when I think she was around three to four months and we just started to try and get her to sleep in her cot um so we could have a bit of an evening other than that nothing I do leave her to like I said have a bit of a gurgle around but it's never crying she's never actually crying um if she is crying now then I really do know that something's wrong and normally um, it's either that she's done a poo because she hates to be dirty and have a, a poo or she her teeth are really bad um, or she's hungry. Either of those, anything other than that, um, she's not fussy anymore about going to bed. So we're very, very, very lucky. Any tips for encouraging distracted 12-week-old to take full feeds in the day? Oh, gosh, yeah, well, we didn't have that issue at 12 weeks, but I have that issue now. Quiet room, dark room, like they were going to bed. I would, I would say, n- I, I, ca- I can barely feed Amandine now if there's in the light. If there's anyone around, or she will, if anyone makes a noise, she'll, she'll ping her head off, and then look the other way, <laughs> and then my milk will go everywhere. Great. I would say, go up into the nursery or go up into your room, chill out, sit on the bed, relax, feed her or him, um, and. If you're relaxed, they'll be relaxed as well. They definitely, definitely feed off your energy. 100% feed off your energy. So try and relax as much as you can and just go away and do it in a quiet, a quiet, less distracting place. If you can, I know that's not always possible. I have had a friend who did a very long flight to New Zealand and uh, her little one was getting incredibly distracted. So she had to express and bottle feed and that was the only way that she could get him to take a full feed. So... There are ways around it, but if you can and you have the ability to find somewhere quiet with little distraction, then do so. Maybe a muslin over the top or um, a scarf over the top of you or something like that, darken it, or maybe try and put him or her inside your t-shirt. I've done that a few times if I'm wearing a baggy t-shirt. I'll try and put Amandine right up inside there so she can't see anybody. Um, Try that. Okay, what else have we got? What else have we got? When is series four? Feels like chatting to a friend. I promise you it won't be long. I promise you can't keep me away from podcasts very long. I'm actually doing a bunch of recordings this afternoon for series four, which are going to be lots and lots of birth stories. Yay! Because we all love a good birth story. Um, But thank you, thank you. I feel like I'm chatting to friends too, which is lovely. Weaning, what foods, how to start, how many meals, equipment please help. Oh my gosh. They were all, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They were all the questions that I wanted answered as well. I was reading so much stuff. I was just reading, 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 reading. And 
wasn't getting any answers. I mean, I was, but I just wasn't taking them on. So actually, just start. Just start. And that's how I started. My friends were like, Emma, just start. Doesn't matter what you give her, just start. So I started with slices of cucumber, a finger, no smaller than my little finger, but my little finger's really small, so I kind of did my index finger. No smaller than my index finger. Um... Obviously, if it's a man's index finger, that's a bit different. Maybe a man's little finger, but my index finger, I have very small hands. And I would take the skin off thing. So I started with cucumber. I started with slices of carrot that I'd steamed. So when she squished them, they would also squish. The equipment, all I have got is some silicone bamboo spoons with silicone tops. Um, that's what I've got. And they are from... Bamboo, 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 bamboo baby, something like that. Um, and I also pureed some sweet potato, pureed some parsnips, so literally just put them on to boil or steam them, then put them in a Maggi mix if you've got that. I'm lucky I have a Maggi mix or a Nutribullet. And although Nutribullet, they say not hot food, don't they? I think. I'm not too sure, so you might need to let that cool first. And that's all I did. No salt, definitely no salt. I didn't put any milk in. I have heard you can put some breast milk in to make it a little bit smoother. And then I froze them, so I let them cool. Then I put them in ice cube trays. And all I need to do now is take out one ice cube of sweet potato puree, put it in the microwave for a few seconds. I tend to mix it with a little bit more water to kind of just make it a bit creamier. And But you could mix it with breast milk, I suppose. And then that's how I do my purees. That's how I started. And then you get a little bit more confident with it as time goes on. And I started giving her a little bit of toast with almond butter on. What else have we given you? We've given you a bit of apple, which we literally just put in a bit of boiling water to soften it. Um, and what else have we given you? Banana. So the, you'll make mistakes along the way. The first mistake I made was I gave her banana and her water jug at the same time. And avocado. It was like one big slippery mess. I didn't leave the skin on the banana and you're meant to like just cut an inch of skin off so they have the they can hold it properly. I don't leave the skin on cucumber. Um so that was super slippy. <laughs> I took the skin off the avocado, super slippy. Uh so yeah. Um you will make mistakes, but it's funny. It is really funny. Um but just enjoy it. Enjoy it and what else have you asked? What meals to start with? I mean, my mum said that she used to just make big casseroles and then blitz the whole lot into a puree. To me, that sounds revolting. But I'm sure I'll eventually end up doing that. Um, we haven't got to the point where she eats what we eat yet, mainly because she's not ever awake during our meal times. And I, I have a smoothie for breakfast, which isn't really, you know, okay for her. And then um, for lunch, she's normally asleep. For dinner... She is normally asleep, or we're, we're kind of having stuff that she can't really have, or not can't really have, but I'm too nervous to give her yet. So I'm really looking forward to the point where I can just give her what we are eating. But I will keep you updated and let you know. But just start with carrot and cucumber and some purees, and all you need is maybe some spoons uh, with soft tops, especially if they have teeth. Just like some soft silicone tops. Um, that's all you need. Okay. What, oh, how many meals? Yeah, once or twice a day. I definitely started only with once, and now if I have the time, it's twice. But sometimes it's never. Sometimes it's never. Don't stress. At a time that's right for you, again, if if she wakes up well in the morning, I'll do it in the morning, and then I'll do it normally after her big nap, because I know she's well-rested, so less likely to get antsy. 
or we have done it just before dinner but they do say don't give potential allergy foods before dinner because or before bedtime because then they go to bed obviously for a long time you want to try and do it where they have a bit of an awake period after I would say that was why I worried this morning about the almond butter because I gave her almond butter and then pretty much put her straight down to sleep mm. but I had known that she'd had it before so if she was going to have a reaction to it probably would have been then what else have you found any good brands for nursing clothing need ideas for weddings no no I have not in fact I wouldn't try going for a particular maternity brand Shush. a particular maternity brand I went for Zara trousers and a shirt so I could have easy access boob because I was wearing a shirt that's what I did and I was carrying her for a bit and that worked really well it was fine they were high-waisted trousers so they weren't going to roll down no, the only nursing bra that I absolutely live in is my Bravado nursing bra. There's no clips, it's a soft bra, you literally just pull it across to one side. Um, I can't be bothered to faff around with the clips, I find it, you know, when you're maybe chatting to someone who you don't want to be in front of whilst you're, you know, shoving your hand down your top to try and find your bra and snap your bra clip on, oh, nightmare. So... That's what I do. And I'm not very good at covering up. I don't use a muslin to cover up. She just pulls it off and then reveals everything. So I do like something that I can literally pull down, put her straight on so you can't see my boob. Hope you guys can hear this. Sorry about Amandine's um, noises. But I'm sure you don't mind. I'm sure they don't mind. They haven't heard from you in a while, have they? My little one needs way more stimulation now. Uh, I think there's a bit more to your question. No, there isn't. My little one needs way more stimulation now. Yes, you'll find that. But then I have also read that you don't want them to be reliant too much on stimulation. Um, they Because then they're always reliant on it. You want them to be able to make their own fun, make their own games, just be happy kind of looking around as well, I have heard. And actually... Amandina's not, uh, you know, you could give Amandina a wooden spoon and she would enjoy it. There's, it is a real struggle and it is quite difficult to know. Hello. It is quite difficult to know um, what to give your baby to play with. Now, we, she loves anything that rattles and anything that she can put in her mouth. She adores. And uh, we haven't been that great at tummy time, although right now she is on her tummy. Um... I would not worry about it. Don't worry about it. If if you can find something like a sensory muslin, that's always good to put down with them. Lots of different textures. I would just say lots of different textures. That doesn't mean you need to go out and buy lots of toys, but maybe a plasticky toy, maybe a silicony toy, maybe a wooden toy. Doesn't need to necessarily be a toy. How about a whisk or a wooden spoon or a you know, something where there's no spare parts there's that can fall off in her mouth. There's no, um, you know, obviously covered in anything poisonous. Uh, sometimes be careful with random wooden objects that they're not covered in um, some kind of wax or something, which they are, unless you, I only know this because we have a wooden work surface and actually our carpenter had covered it in a very toxic wax. What is it? What is it? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? A very toxic wax. So we actually had to make it again and we stained it with tea. So that's what we did in the end. That's the only advice I would give with wooden things is try and 
just make sure that they are free from any kind of varnish. Varnish is the word that I'm looking for. Maybe take them out a bit more if you're not taking them out. I sometimes find when Amandine is needing lots of stimulation in a day and she's an absolute nightmare, I just take her out in the buggy so she can have a look around, look at the trees, feel the sunshine on her face, feel the wind on her face, um, and then that, that kind of tires her out quite a bit. Okay, what else, what else, what else? What kind of things did you entertain Amandine with at the four month mark? I think I covered this a little bit in the podcast before last, but literally anything that rattles, anything she can put in her mouth, her teethers, we have a jolly jumper. I don't think, did we have that at four months? Might have, maybe five months we had that. The inflatable ring that I've shown on Instagram a few times, I'll try, I think it's in my highlights in the we loved section, that. Okay, I'm going to move on. Uh, hi, me and my six month my six month old are off on holiday. Previously, we haven't needed our car seat. This time, we do, and I'm scared to check it in just in case it's damaged. It's a maxi cozy cabrio. Any advice appreciated? Yep, I had the same worry. I definitely had the same worry. We have a kiddie one, really expensive. You have to take the base, and I was really worried about the base breaking. So we wrap our base in an IKEA rug, uh, not an IKEA rug, an IKEA blanket because we have loads of those lying around. So, and I bought a big bag. It's not a padded bag. It's just a big bag. Uh, it's called an iSafe bag. It was just on Amazon. And we wrapped the base in the blanket and then we put the car seat in its lie flat position only because that's the only way it'll go into the uh, bag, in the bag. Hendrik then normally puts his wetsuit in there because we go surfing on the holidays and that's how we keep it fairly padded. Um... But I wouldn't worry too much. They're normally pretty good about the car seats, but we've never had any damage to our car seat. We've had damage to the bag where they've ripped the zip open, but not to the actual car seat. Tips for sore tummies. Um, massage. Massage is a really good tip for sore tummies. Yeah, I think you're meant to go... Well, no, I can't confidently say, actually. So you'll have to look that one up. I can't confidently say. I'll try and find out. Um, I think it's clockwise to massage tummies, I think. But that's a good one for a sore tummy. Or bicycling the legs, so lie them on their back and then bicycle their legs up and down and give them a little bit of a roll around. Or lie them over your leg, I think is quite a good one. We actually never had too much of a sore tummy and cycling the legs really was brilliant for us. That's what we did. Lots of rolling around um, and cycling the legs. Okay, what else? I think we're almost at the end of the questions. How's the weaning going? Definitely covered that one. Uh, yeah, that is all the questions. So if you have any more, definitely email me or DM me at mumtalkpodcast on Instagram or mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com on email and I will get those answered for you in series four or I will just answer them on Instagram for you because we are all thinking about the same kind of questions so don't ever be worried about asking a question it can be baby related it can be relationship related it can be you know whatever you're wanting to know right now um, and if any if my experience can help you at all because I am far far from an expert but if my experience can help you then I will help you as much as I can I'm going to end it there because we are just shy of an hour and Amandine is getting she's just finished feeding and we're going to go see Danny before he goes to work so thank you so much for tuning in to Mum Talk 
um, this series and we will join you in a few weeks time with series four so keep an eye out I will let you guys know when it all goes live make sure you're following me on Instagram mum talk podcast or Emma Jo Lambert do the mum talk podcast and then everything podcast related will be on there all right lots and lots of love to you all have a great rest of your week <laughs>